Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Tonight we're going to talk about uh, Mark number 8. Hopefully you've been here throughout uh, each lesson, each mark, each impedance. But if you haven't, uh, the last uh, mark that we talked about I think was so important. But this one, uh, it's hard to pinpoint one. This is really important. I think they're all important because they're all uh, biblical marks, if you will, of of maturity. But um, a a few of the marks back we talked about sacrifice. And um, there's some similar principles that you'll hear tonight uh, in, in tonight's mark that, again, I think is so uh, valuable. But um, when we consider someone uh, as a Christian, we consider them moving towards Christ-likeness, uh, the older they get, one of the things that I think has to become more and more obvious in our lives, if we're going to be Christ-like, uh, is our eighth mark, and that is generosity. Generosity. Let's pray. And we'll look a little bit further at this. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for uh, allowing us to be here and and the songs that we've been able to sing and praise to you, Lord, thinking about Calvary and uh, just declaring your name and and lifting you up, singing about the blood. Uh, God, we're just so thankful and grateful to be able to be in this place focused on you. And as uh, Brother Robert uh, shared earlier, Uh, Many maybe have had difficult days, long days, struggles, and just to be here now uh, to focus on you, to focus on your word, and hopefully to be strengthened and admonished in your word. I I pray that uh, you would just do a great work now. Uh, Lord, uh, just use me as a vessel. I pray that what needs to be spoken will be spoken and that you'll refrain my lips from speaking anything uh, that doesn't need to be said, Lord. I pray that you would be glorified through this. And your will is accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, Mark 8, generosity. Matthew chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. We're going to be there for a few verses here. Uh, And if you don't, uh, then it'll be on the screen. But Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. It says, Then came to him the mother. It's a very familiar story uh, to you. The the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said to her, what wilt thou? So again, uh, here comes the, uh, uh, James and John's mom, and they come to Jesus, and he could tell she wants to ask something. So he says, what do you want? She said to him, grant that these two my sons may sit, the one on the right hand, the other on the left, in thy kingdom. Now, I, I want to just ask a question off the bat. Th- think about this, all right? Here's Jesus. They've followed him. They think he is the way. They believe he is the way. But is, 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 it evil, is it an evil desire to ask this of Jesus that one of her sons can sit on the right hand and one of the sons sit on, her left hand, on his left hand in the kingdom of God? Is that, is that an evil desire in itself? To say, I want, my, I want my kids there with you. I want my kids there next to you. I want, my, I want, I want them as close as they possibly could get. One on the right, one on the left. Would that be an, an evil desire? I don't, I don't know that that would be an evil desire. Now, we're not quite sure the motive of her heart. We don't know exactly uh, why she was asking this question. But based off of Jesus' response, I would say maybe it was a little more misdirected than it was sinful or evil. Okay, so maybe she's just kind of missing, 
the point of what the kingdom of God is and why it's so important to grasp the kingdom as Jesus was delivering it to, uh, to the world. And so, uh, and I want to say this as well. Uh, and the reason why is because we all face this temptation, okay? We can, we can have this. Uh, wanting something because of how, how it benefits us, right? That's a temptation. That's a temptation that we can have in this life. Well, I want this for me because it's going to benefit me. Uh, not necessarily thinking about, well, will this glorify the Lord? Okay, so sometimes we, we look at things in this life that we can have, that we don't have, things that we want to experience, things what we want to miss. And a lot of times we even will pray, pray prayers similar to what this mother did and say, I, I want this for my life. Now, the reason why is because this is a beneficial thing to me, but not necessarily glorifying to the Lord. And so again, wasn't saying that she was sinful, wasn't saying that she was evil in this request, but maybe just a misdirected uh, request of the, the mom here. So look how Jesus answered in verse 22. And he answered and said, you know not what you ask. You don't even know what you're asking. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And listen to the answer. They say unto him, we are able. And he said unto them, you shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and to sit on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. And when the ten heard it, they got a little sinful. <laughs> They, got, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. That never happens in church, right? Nobody ever gets upset with anybody in church. Can you imagine, can you imagine what their looks look like? I, don't, I mean, this is, we're talking about Eastern, Middle Eastern, um, uh, first century um, Jews, Hebrews. Again, we might not have an idea, but I, I, I think that they, in that culture, in that day and time, were very passionate people. Um, they were very expressive. Even to this day, they're very expressive with their emotions, with their family, and so um, inside their family. But uh, so they they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Jesus called them unto him and said, "Look, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you." So Jesus, again, her request being misdirected is trying to correct their mindset of what the kingdom of, of heaven is about, what the kingdom of God is about. He's saying, listen, y'all are thinking, you, you're thinking in, in terms of promotion, you're thinking in, in terms of power, of, of position. But I, I'm kind of explain, explaining something to you a little bit differently than what you're used to, than what you see even in the Gentile world. I, I'm, I'm explaining to you that the greatest among you is going to be the one who serves, your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Now, up to this point, you're saying, okay, wait a second. You, you said that Mark number 8 is generosity. At this point, it doesn't look like Jesus being very generous. <laughs> he's not handing out positions. He's not handing out, you know, titles. He's not doing that. He's, he's teaching a lesson on servanthood. But, but here's where I wanted to get to in verse 28. He didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister, and here it is, to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came to this earth in what is the, the greatest expression of generosity man has ever known. 
Jesus Christ coming to this earth, sent by the Father, willing, willingly himself, to die for the sins of the world, to give his life a ransom for many. Again, you, you can't measure, you can't compare, you can't compete with that type of generosity. There's nothing that you could ever give, there's nothing I could ever give, there's nothing we could ever give collectively that could ever measure up to the generosity that's said just in that small phrase right there. To give his life as the ransom for our lives. Jesus calms their indignation, if you will, by basically telling them, you're wired to be selfish. Your flesh is selfish. It has a tendency to be self-centered. You live in a world that tells you that you better get what you can while you can or you're going to miss out. And so he teaches them, I am not, that's not my kingdom. My kingdom is to give, to serve, to be generous. Just as I came to this earth to show you what that looks like. Being generous is a trait that I think should be expressed in every area of our Christian life. So when we think about what does this mean, what does this look like? Sometimes when we hear the word generous, we only think in terms of money. So when you hear a preacher talk about being generous, you think, oh, he's going to start talking about money. Listen, Jesus just said the Son of Man came to give his life as the ransom for many. The greatest expression of generosity is, there, is our all. And so it's not just having to do with finances, but being generous, again, is a trait that every Christian should express through these different areas of life. And I just named 10 that the Lord laid on my heart. But the first thing is this, as we're pursuing Christ's likeness, as we're trying to become more and more like him, we should be more and more generous with our love. That, that's something that should be more, we, we give love more and more every day the closer we grow to, to Christ. Again, that was the first mark that we looked at. But again, as we get closer to Christ, we should be giving more and more love. We should be more and more loving to those in our house, to those in this house, to those at our jobs. Again, it should be in every aspect of our life, the closer we grow to Christ, we are more generous with the love that we give to others. Number two, I think we should, it's evident as we grow closer to Christ that we are generous with our time. But here in this world, we have this idea that it's my time. But the interesting thing is, back in Genesis, the Bible says that God said, let there be light. God said that he put, put the sun in the night, he put the moon in, in, in the sky, he put the moon in the sky, and those two would govern the day and the night. And the first day, he said, that, that's what it's going to be. I'm going to call that day, and that's the first night. I'm going to call that night. God is the one that created time. God is the one that gives us life. We are on this world because God has given us life in this world for the amount of time that he has given to us. It's not our time, but in our, in our minds, in our, in our little lives that we live from, from sunrise or whenever we get up in the morning until we lay our head at night, we think this is my time. This is the only time that I have. I work eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, 16 hours, whatever. I work that much, and then this time is my time. None of it's our time. God created it. It's his time. We live inside of what he has created. And so when we get to that point where, we, again, we have a tendency to be selfish. 
We have a tendency to be self-centered. We live in a world that says you better take advantage of this while you can or you're not going to have the opportunity. There's part of nature that, that goes that way anyways. We, we live lives as, as young kids, and as we get older, we say, I can't do what I once did before. I, I'm, I'm beginning to do less and less what I used to be able to do. And as you get closer to the end of time for you on this earth, it becomes more and more of a reality. But again, we, we didn't create time. We didn't earn any time. God gifts us time. And he has given us the time on this earth, the Bible says, to redeem it because the days are evil. And so as we grow closer to Christ and as we are buying up the time, using it for his glory, the closer we get to Christ, we become more and more generous with our time. What does that look like? I believe in redeeming the time, serving the Lord, serving others, uh, which leads to number three. We become more generous with our service. The closer we get to Christ, again, his teaching was this. Look, the, the greatest in the kingdom doesn't look like a lord. The greatest in the kingdom doesn't look like a king. The greatest in the kingdom looks like a servant. And so the more, and, and he said that, the, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so the closer, he, at the end of, uh, end of his ministry, he leans down and he washes his disciples' feet as a great expression of what the kingdom of God looks like. And so the closer we get to Christ-likeness, the more generous we are in serving God and serving others. Now, I want to challenge you tonight, if you've been at a place in your, in your Christian walk where you felt like you were serving the Lord with more fire and more fervor, and, and you were generous in serving, every time you saw an opportunity to serve, you, you felt like, man, this is my opportunity to redeem the time. But now you're at a place where you feel like, I've done my time, I've served my time, and now a little more of my time is my time. I, I, want, I want to say that you're in a wrong place. That's just, a, that's just a selfish error of the flesh that we all can, can make. Because again, Christ, let me say it again, at the end of his ministry, not at the beginning where he says, I'm just now starting to serve, I'm just now starting to set the example. At the end of his ministry, he leans down and as this great act of service washes his, his disciples' feet. And then he tells them, as I've done to you, you're going to do to each other. The closer we get to Christ, the more generous we should be with our service. Number four, maybe a hard one for somebody in here tonight or for many people tonight, but it's forgiveness. The more generous we are with forgiveness, forgiving others, right? Because at the very end of his life, what does Jesus do on the cross? He declares the statement, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So, again, he came to, to, to give his life a ransom for many. He, he's willing, he's not willing that any should perish. The, it says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It's something that is, is the, the epitome of Jesus Christ is, is forgiveness. Because he shed his blood, because he offers grace, we can have our sins forgiven. And the closer we get to Christ-likeness, the more spiritually mature we come, we become in this life, the more generous we are with our forgiveness. Somebody offends me, somebody hurts my feelings, somebody doesn't do something, somebody does something, whatever, the more quickly I am to forgive and more generous I am in giving forgiveness to others. Man, if anybody could say, this is not the time to forgive, it would be Jesus on the cross looking at those who just crucified him. But he says, forgive them. 
The fifth thing that I think as we get closer to Christ-likeness is grace and mercy. We become more generous in giving grace and showing mercy. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, be, be therefore merciful as your Father in heaven which is merciful. We, we should become more and more like him. And he is the gracious God. He is, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. He is gracious and merciful. And the more that we become like Christ in our journey of faith, the more gracious and merciful we become. I remember when I, we were talking uh, and the school year just ended. And I remember when I first started out teaching. I hope there's none of the former, former students in here in this era that I am about to talk about. But when I first started in the school, um, I was like a 20-year-old, 20? Yeah, I think 20-year-old. 20-year-old young man. And I was passionate to help young people understand the way of God is better. <laughs> and, and I was put into the school situation, and I was their coach, I was a teacher, I was... Um, athletic director I was working in the youth ministry and so I had all these different hats that I was trying to play but one thing was clear for me is the way I was raised is to respect your elders and at that stage of my life was to live passionately for the Lord and so that came out in the classroom and I was no nonsense brother Turner he he thought it was a good idea to stick me with him brother Turner was older is older no <laughs> <laughs> and he was a lot more full of patience and grace than I was. And so whenever the kids, that some of them, which were only a couple years younger than me, spouted off or said something back, he had his way of dealing with it. And I had my way of dealing with it. And his way was a little more patient and gracious. And my way was the merit, the merit. And when they would talk back, that's another demerit. They'd say something else, that's another demerit. One more, you go to the, oh, go to the office. You know, it wasn't necessarily that harsh, but I was, I was very uh, animate about these things. But I, I feel that as I, was, as I went along in the school, as I got used to uh, dealing with these young people and, and teaching and, and leading and stuff like that, uh, that I became a little more gracious uh, and merciful. And, and I'm not saying that I'm full of that, but I, I just think I, that was an era of growth. But I think for all of us, as we get closer to Christ, we become more gracious and we become more merciful. Number six, got to move on, is we become gen generous with our abilities. Abilities are uh, those things that God has give, gifted to us, given to us, uh, that may coordinate with and be in conjunction with spiritual gifts, uh, but not necessarily. And so uh, it can be married with service because God has given you certain abilities uh, God has created you uniquely. Sometimes your abilities are similar to others, but uh, you've been given a certain amount of abilities. And the more that you grow to be like Christ, I believe the more generous you are with what he's blessed you with in the area of ability or talents. Number seven is gifts. I put this as a separate category because I think there's, important, there's an important distinction between talent and gifts, spiritual gifts. Uh, again, I, I think that they could be married. I think that they can coordinate. I think that they can work together. Um, but I think gifts 
given by God are more than just spiritual gifts, if you will, that, that we have, like, like teaching or hospitality or service and, and stuff like that. I think there are also gifts like the gift of the gospel. God has given us the gift of the gospel. It's a treasure, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that we've been given this treasure in earthen vessels. It's a gift of God. God has given to us, and the more like Christ we, we grow, I think the more generous we are with not only our spiritual gifts, but the more generous we are with the gift of the gospel, the more generous we are with the gifts that God has given even in our family. Again, it just becomes more and more evident that we're generous in these areas. Of course, number eight is money. Jesus himself, I, I, I don't have to say anything myself. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. He said, no man can have two masters. Either you'll love one and hate the other, you'll cling to one and despise the other. You, you can't serve both of them. And so either you're going to serve one and, and the other is going to be something that you see as a, as a gift or, or vice versa. So this is something that um, we have to understand, that it does have to do with money. Uh, generosity has to do with money. The more, uh, I shared this recently, uh, the more we live life like this, the less that God can bless us. But the more that we are like this with what God has blessed us with, the more that God can, can, can replenish and put back. Um, and so again, it absolutely has to do with money. Uh, if money has a hold on you and you can't be generous with your money, uh, then you, you got to do that evaluation of what Jesus said, you can't serve God and money. It's just a reality. The closer, I mean, think about this. If you have kids and your kids need something, you're going to provide that for them because you love them. And then there's times at Christmas time, at their birthdays, and other times that you're going to be generous to them because you love them. Well, God and others are, are, are uh, there's nothing that we should hold back. Malachi, uh, yeah, uh, it says that you've robbed me. And the question was, how have, you how have we robbed you? It says with tithes and offerings. And again, we, we, we try to pin certain things just to the Old Testament. The New Testament is that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. That's the New, that's the New Testament. And so he is talking about financial things. And Paul was taking up a collection for the saints in Jerusalem that were in need and he's telling the, the, the saints there in Corinth that, hey, guess what? You need, to, you need to give because you have been given to freely. And God loves a cheerful giver. Number nine is our possessions, which can be in conjunction with our money. But there's sometimes there's, there's things that um, we have that, you know, if, if someone asks for your coat, you give them your cloak also. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's a matter of seeing the things that we have as gifts and blessings from God. And the closer we get to Christ, the more generous we become. Number 10 is, as we saw with Christ, our life. We become more and more generous with our life. A living sacrifice. I'm, my life is to be used however God wants it to be used in all these areas. Uh, again, this is what I'm doing. Is I'm being generous with my entire life because it's a gift from God. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 23. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. The expectation of the wicked in wrath. You hear that? The desire of the righteous ends only in good. The expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Do you hear this? One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another 
withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Did you hear this? It, it's, a, it, it's not name and claim it. It's not, uh, it's not the perverted doctrine of the prosperity gospel. It's, it, it's nothing like that. It's a simple precept. It's a simple concept. It's a simple truth found in God's word. If we are ruled by money, then that's what we will be ruled by. But if we are ruled by God, then we have opened ourselves up to be blessed by God. If you say, you know what, I, I only want to please God with my life, then you see everything as a gift, including the things that he gives. And so as he gives to us and we give to others, God just continues to entrust to whom much is given, much is required. How are you going to entrust somebody with something more if you can't be entrusted with something little? I've said many times before, I'll, I'll go back to the money thing. I'll go, we, we, we do what we want to do. That's the reality. We, we buy what we want to buy. We, 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 we contribute to what we can, want to contribute to. We, uh, that, that's just the reality. I mean, if our kids want to do something, sometimes we will, we will do whatever. We'll sell a, an organ to let our kids do this. We'll sacrifice time and money and, and all this kind of stuff to do this. But sometimes, so I just can't afford to do this. Listen, if you can afford to buy any type of, I've said this before, any type of drink outside of water, then you can afford to give to missions. That, that you can afford to give to the Lord. Again, the giving to the Lord, giving to the church, is a, is a measure of saying, you know what? I trust God. I want to I advance his cause and his kingdom. And so I, I want to contribute to this. Same thing for missions, same thing for church planning, same thing for youth retreats or whatever. You say, I, I want to I wanna give to this. I want to be generous. Again, the Bible says the one that gives freely yet grows all the richer. Don't, don't think about what you see on TV. Don't think about what you hear on, on YouTube. Don't think about what you hear in that prosperity gospel. I'm, that's not what it's about. It's Again, it's about where your trust is. It's about what you're being governed by. If you live your life as a generous person, God's going to entrust you with more. But if you withhold what you should give, you're going to suffer want. And I want to say this, the suffering want is not just in the, 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 the financial side of things. Sometimes there may be even somebody in here, hopefully not, but somebody in here say, well, I don't really give to the church at all, and we do just fine. I would be very careful. I would just be very careful. Uh, because there can be want suffered and not just, the, just like when you give, this is say that you'll necessarily grow richer financially. It's alluding to that, but it's not specifically saying that. There's ways that we can give. There's ways that we could suffer want. We could suffer want spiritually. We, when, when we are disobedient to the Lord in a certain area, then we can suffer spiritually. Man, why am I struggling with it? Well, maybe it's an area that we should be being obedient, that we're being disobedient in. The people curse him, verse 26, who holds back grain. But a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. You'll find evil if, you, if you're searching for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Do you hear that contrast there? There's a difference between somebody who trusts in riches and somebody who is righteous. That's what it says. Whoever trusts in riches will fall, but on the other hand... The righteous will flourish like a green leaf. 
So here's seven things I think that generosity um, are important things about generosity. Number one, generosity is Christ's character, period. Just as we saw in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, that the, he came to give his life. So when we say what is, the epitome of Christ's character is that he gave. He gave his entire life. He left heaven and gave. He was generous with everything that he had. Generosity is that. So when we are generous as Christians, we are aligning ourselves with the character of Christ. Number two, generosity doesn't expect return. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, by saying to you here, uh, listen to me, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. From one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you can expect to receive them to pay you back, then what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Here's Jesus' teaching, the kingdom teaching. But love your enemies. Do good and, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High because he's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Wow. Again, aligning with the character of God, giving, being generous with all these things. And so Jesus is teaching, listen, you need to be a generous person. You need to love even those who don't love. You need to give who those, to, to those who don't pay back. You need to, to live a generous life, a giving life, because that's what the Most High has done for you. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, you will not be judged. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. There it is. Be generous. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. See, that's the standard. Sometimes, so I can, this is what I can afford, this is what I want. But, but here's what God did. I'm giving you my all. I'm giving you my son. I'm, I'm bringing the kingdom. I'm allowing you in. I'm being generous with everything that I have. And sometimes we look at God with, with, with affordability in mind. How much can I afford to give with my time? How much can I afford to give with my talent? How much can I afford to give with my treasure? But the, the sad reality is none of it's ours. Because we're not creating life for ourselves. We're breathing right now because it's a gift from God. Our lungs, our heart, our brain, they're all doing things without us consciously telling them to do that. Right now, oxygen is being, is being saturated in my blood and going to parts of my body. So is it for you. You're not telling it to do it. God designed it that way and gave you the gift of, of life. It's just happening. It's a gift. Gracious gift. He's been generous to give us the time, talent, treasure. But what we look back at God and say, what can I afford to give to him? His standard is I gave my all. Our standard is here's what I can afford. And again, he's saying, I don't want you to live like that. I want you to, to give so that it can be given to you. 
with everything in your life, your whole life. Number 10 on the list was our life, everything. He owns it all anyways. If we begin to live our lives with that in view, that God owns it all anyways. Like I can't, when I, I've, said, I've mentioned this before too, when I lay my head down tonight, if, if God allows me to get to that point, if I lay my head down tonight and go to sleep, it's going to be up to God whether I wake up in the morning. I have no control over that. I mean, I could stay awake all night, try to. But when I go to sleep, when I wake up in the morning, it's because God says, get up, son. I got another day for you. I got some more work for you to do for me. So we need to stop looking at the things that we call our own as our own and start living a generous life. Number three, generosity gives to those who can't repay. Similar to what I just said in Luke chapter uh, 14, though, verse 12. He said, he, he said also to the man who had invited him, again, Jesus had come and, and sat down at a banquet, begins to teach a greater lesson about the, uh, the, the, the great banquet feast there that he is, is, is holding. Uh, but he says also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't just invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you to return and be, you be repaid. So don't just do it because you know, hey, I'm going to invite them in, in hopes that they'll invite me back. Or this is how, this is how the relationship works. I invite them over, they invite us over. No, no, no. He thought, don't do that. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you. You'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. I love that. When we give generously to those who can't repay us, and we do it with the right heart, a sincere heart, a generous heart, knowing that we may never see this in return, here's what we do. We illustrate the, the great gift of generosity that God has given to us. And we could never repay when I, when I say I'm going to give knowing that it's not, there's not an expected return. See, that, that's how we tithe. That's how we give. That's how hopefully you tithe and you give is, you know, some people have this country club mentality. We went through that with I am a church member uh, where they say I give my money to that church and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want them to put a wooden cross up on that. That's my demands. I give. This is what I don't want. This is what I want. And it's not like that. It, 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 it's like this with our lives. We, we give because we've been given to. That's what Jesus just said. And when we give without expectation, when we give, if anything, to others, to the Lord, without expectation of return, then we're illustrating the same type of generosity that God showed us in sending His Son because we can never repay him for the great gift of eternal life. We can never repay him. We can ne even, even though we're supposed to be living as, as, as living sacrifices, even though we're supposed to be living and giving our all to the Lord, even though we've given up rights to ourselves, we're no longer our own, supposed to be living for, his king, uh, for him and his kingdom alone, even though all the things, the reality is, it's not to repay him because we can't repay him. It's an expression of obedience because of the love He's shown to us. Number four, generosity gives even to those who do you wrong. We already saw that, but in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, you have heard that said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn him, on, uh, uh, him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. I'm glad I wasn't there with Jesus. It's still true today. 
Give, the, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Number five, generosity is foundational in the church. It's foundational in the church. Generosity was seen from the very beginning, right? Acts, Acts chapter 4, we see uh, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, verse 32. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Oh, you, you need a coat? I, I'll bring you a coat. Oh, you need some food? You come eat with us. It, it was, they were of one heart. They, they said, we're a family. We're the family of God. This is, this is how we're, they were living. They had everything in common with great power. In this, in this environment, great power was given to the apostles. They were given their testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great graces upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. We had a conversation in the office the other day, remember Brother Turner? About if, um, was it about the lottery? Okay. I don't play the lottery. Hopefully you don't either. Brother Turner doesn't either. But we were saying if there was a lottery and we had $100 million, is $100 million? $100 million, what would you do with it? And I said, uh, the first thing that I would do is just buy everything and pay for everything we needed as the church. I'm not saying that because I'm standing on the stage. Honestly, that's in my heart. I would, I would just do that. Uh, the second thing that I would do is I would set up, which we've been praying about, and, and, and there's something, I'll just say, in, in the future about financial um, peace, you know, the, the, financial, the financial freedom and stuff like that. Um, but I would set that up. We would have that class, and then we would say, bring your debt. And I would say, I, I want to make sure everybody in the church is debt-free. And... Um, and those who were struggling, who had maybe a crazy amount of debt, or it could be see that, that it was um, maybe a, a struggle to manage finances rightly, uh, then we'd say, look, we're going to do this, but we want you to go through this so that you know how to live after this, so you can stay debt-free, you know? Uh, you're at this place, you got all this, and so we want to do this. We want to not just throw a Band-Aid on something, but here's the solution. Then everybody's debt-free. Then we can serve, and we can give, and we could, we could do the kingdom work without any, any other problems uh, to think about. And then I might buy a gun. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'll just play it. <laughs> or a guitar. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, it's the Lord's work. No, I'm just, I'm just playing it. <laughs> No, but what happened was, is there was no needy person uh, because they, as many as were owners of, here it is, plurals, lands, or houses. So it wasn't necessarily that people had a house or had a piece of land uh, that just sold and, and, and here, you, it wasn't like that. It was, they had houses and lands. These are people that were um, prosperous and, and, and had plenty. They brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid at the apostles' feet and was distributed to each as, as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was uh, also called by the apostles Barnabas, who means son of encouragement, a Levite native of Cyprus, he sold a field that belonged to him, a field, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Chapter 5, though, we see something different, right? Ananias and Sapphira, they say they conspire against, each, uh, against uh, the Holy Spirit. They're going to formulate this lie. They're going to say, hey, we, we sold this and we're bringing all the money, but they held back a portion for themselves. Again, it wasn't the heart of generosity. It wasn't, say, a sincere heart. Um, 
But what ends up happening is God uses even that bad experience to bring about more unity. And number six, I'm going to keep moving on. Generosity comes from a cheerful heart and is rewarded. As I said earlier, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the apostle Paul was going around to the different churches and he, and he writes letters uh, specifically to the Corinthian church. And he is telling them that there's some needy in Jerusalem and he's taken up an offering. And he gave some of them some opportunities to take the time to take up an offering uh, that was going to be used to help those because uh, the, the church in Jerusalem was still big, even though there was great uh, um, persecution and they were dispersed, as we saw in the book of Acts. The church was still large. There was still great need. Uh, even in the, in, in the day of Pentecost, they, that you saw uh, that there was murmuring uh, in Acts chapter 6 when deacons were formulated, um, that there, there were some of the Grecian widows that were being neglected in the daily ministration. And so uh, that's why they came up with the solution. We need, to, we need to make sure everybody's taken care of. And so... Um, but the, the needs still existed in Jerusalem, you know, probably some 15, 16 years later, something like that. Um, and so Paul's taking up this offering, and he's writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, this, uh, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Give and, Jesus taught that, give and it will be given unto you. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully or generously. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart. But here it is, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Not because, well, oh, I've got to give, I'm going to look bad. No, don't even give. <laughs> God is looking at the heart, and he sees the generosity, he sees the sincerity, he sees the, the love and the giving. I want to give. I want to help. I want to contribute. I want to invest. I want to further. I want to do those things that's in my heart. I want to give, and God says, yes, I'll bless that. If you write a check to the church and you do it with like, man, if we didn't have to do this... You're, you're hurting yourself. If you can't say, man, it's coming out every week or it's coming out every other week or every month or whatever, or we're writing a check or we're bringing the offering and praise God we get to do anything and give back anything to God to do anything for his kingdom. Praise God for that, man. God sees that in the heart and says, that's what I can bless. Same thing with your time. Same thing with your talent. I guess I'll keep the kids this time. I can't find anybody else. Keep your service. God's not going to bless. You're going to miss the blessing anyways. If you go in and try to serve like that, you're going to miss the blessing of how God wants to use you and maybe the eternal reward one day that you'll see that he had waiting for you because you served from a cheerful heart. But if it's, if it's reluctantly to give your service, your, 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 your treasure, your time, uh, you're, you're only robbing yourself. Each must give uh, uh, as he's decided. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, I love that, you may abound in every good work. See, God blesses. As there's written, he is distributed freely. He has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. See, God says, look, you're going to be a giver. You're going to give of your time, your talent, and your treasure. I'm going to give you more because you give to others. Too much is given, much is required. God's going to entrust you with more if, you can, if he can trust you with little. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. You can highlight that in your Bible if you highlight. Listen to that. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Not just with your finances. If you live a generous life, if that's how you approach your life, God's given to me. Freely you've been given, freely you give. You'll be enriched in every way. 
which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints there in Jerusalem, but it's also overflowing in, in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. See, the Corinthian church had been blessed. They were in a metropolitan area. They had many people that were rich and they had a lot of stuff and they, they had a lot of gifts. Paul addresses the church in chapter 12, 13, and 14 about their misuse of gifts and their abundance of gifts. And so he's saying, listen, these, these people back in Jerusalem, they're praying for you. They're, they're thanking God for you because you've been so blessed, and now you're going to turn around and bless them. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, Paul says. Hebrews chapter 13, do not neglect to do good and to share with what you have because with such sacrifices... They're pleasing to God. Number seven, I'm going to wrap it up. Generosity to God and others are good works that are rewarded. When you're generous to God, you're generous to others. That's what the Bible says. They're good works and they're rewarded in heaven, in eternity. First Timothy chapter 6, Paul's writing. Timothy says this, For the rich in this present age, our, our world, charge them not to be haughty. Don't, don't Tell them not to be like, I'm better than you. He's telling this pastor, tell those people who have money not to be lofty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Tell those people who have money not to think that they're better than others and, 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 and be proud in their life. And, and not only that, make sure you tell them not to put their trust in riches that are uncertain, but put it on God put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Did you hear that? I love that. I mean, he provides for us marriage and kids and, and, and food and beauty in this world. I mean, sunsets, people, I take pictures of sunsets, you take pictures of sunsets. We put them on Facebook and Instagram and we take pictures of nature and we take pictures of our kids. I mean, there's beauty all around us and it's blessings from God. He richly provides us with all these things for us to enjoy is what the scripture says. These people with money, they're to do good and to be rich in good works. They don't need to be focused on their, the money they have. They need to be focused on being rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up, here's the reason why, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of what, of that which is truly life. Galatians 6, 6, let the one who is taught in the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Ultimately, when we view our lives and the blessings in them, as that, that they are blessings from God, then we can live with a generous perspective, as I said earlier, that we could never repay God. We could never give to him what he deserves, that everything is his, and we want to give our all. He's worthy of all. Devotion I, I read earlier this week, or I think it was actually yesterday, uh, it was from 2 Samuel, and you can read it when you get time. Um, but basically, uh, David was offered a threshing floor for nothing because he who he was and so he says uh-uh i'm not going to do that i'm going to pay for this threshing floor he said the reason why is because i'm not going to offer anything to god that doesn't cost me anything 
That's what he said. He said, it says, Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David said, I'm, I'm not going to give to God something that I can afford. I'm, I'm not going to operate like that. God's been so good to me. I'm not going to say, well, I, I got it for free. This is a, this is a bonus. You know, this is a bonus in, in, in offering to God. God, look how much I'm able to offer you right now, and, and it didn't cost me anything. David said, no, I'm not doing that to my God. And here's the devotion I'm done. When the Canadian Presbyterian mission was working to buy land and, and, and build a church in uh, China in the late 1800s, they asked church members to give what they could. One of the poorest men in the church made his living as a swine herd. He had almost nothing but wanted to help. He asked the pastor what he should give, and the pastor encouraged him to seek God's direction. He took his fattest pig to the market. You get that? He took his fattest pig to the market and sold it for the equivalent of $13.35. On his way home, he thought, I can't give the Lord a broken dollar. So from his poverty, he scrapped, uh, scraped together Another 65 cents to make his gift and even $14. But listen what happens. Within one year, the church had, church had not only been able to buy the land, but built a building completely debt-free. Too often when it comes to giving, he says, I'll put this on the screen, we round down instead of rounding up. We give God as little as we think that we can get by with giving. Yet in truth, all we have already belongs to him. When we're generous with the resources God has entrusted to us to support his work, he blesses greatly. And when we're stingy, we rob ourselves of his best for us. We should give to God from a heart of gratitude for all he has done for us. Mark of Christ's likeness, number eight tonight is to be generous with everything that we've been blessed with. Again, Christ left his throne in heaven to give us the kingdom of heaven. What generosity. He made us joint heirs. He, he, he made us citizens in, in a land that we don't belong other than by his grace. And so may his example of generosity fuel our, our example of generosity in our lives. May our kids, may the next generation see what generous lives look like with our time with our talent, with our treasure, with all, all those 10 areas that we talked about earlier. Let's pray, and we'll have a time just to respond. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. And again, Lord, I, I thank you for this challenge to me. Lord, I don't ever want to see anything uh, in my life as mine. Lord, I, again, it's something that you've given. And uh, bless all our blessings given by you. And um, even trials are, are blessings from you. Lord, they're, they're used to strengthen our faith, to grow us, to make us more like you. And so, um, Lord, they're gifts in themselves. And so I pray that you would start with me, and then you go through every person in this church. God, help us uh, to be more generous as you're generous, Lord. And I pray that our response to this message tonight would be pleasing to you, uh, and we'll praise you for that in Jesus' name.